In today's episode, we're considering a little-known servant by the name of Gehazi. Some pronounce his name Gehazi, but no matter the pronunciation, the story does not change. We'll take a look into his motives as they always reveal what really is in his heart and ours for that matter. So are you ready? Let's talk church. On DeadlySins.com, Mahatma Gandhi is quoted as saying, Earth provides enough to satisfy every man's needs, but not every man's greed. And just to be on the same page with everyone, I'm defining greed according to Merriam-Webster. That definition reads as follows, a selfish and excessive desire for more of something, such as money, than is needed. More of something than is needed. So when you think of the word greed, what do you think? Do you think of a certain action or a certain behavior? Maybe you think of a character trait of a certain person. Maybe, just maybe, you look in the mirror and you see that character trait in yourself. Hmm. Maybe it's something that you're struggling to overcome. Maybe it's something that you can give a testimony about because you used to be greedy. But now, thanks be to God, you're not. Given this selfish and excessive nature, I think we can all agree that being greedy is not a desirable state to find ourselves in. It's not a trait that we should nourish and allow to flourish in our lives or in the lives of those we hold dear. Now, that's contrary. (laughs) That whole statement is contrary to society. The society that many of us live in tell us that greed is good. Some people believe that ultimately being greedy helps other people in society. Yes, I actually read that. They believe that being selfish and hoarding things makes others work harder to get those items. And that production, that extra production from working harder benefits society as a whole. I think it's safe to say that I disagree. And here's why. When you are busy gathering material things, you take time away from spiritual things. The more you feed your greed, the more you have to feed it. The hungrier it gets, the more insistent, the more insatiable. Greed is never satisfied. Greed always wants more. So as you turn your attention to attempting to satisfy your greed, you end up abandoning your spirit man. So the flesh wins and the spirit suffers. And as you might imagine, From my purview, that's a huge problem. When we're controlled by our flesh instead of ordered by our spirit, sin is the likely result, habitually even. That's my number one reason. Here's my number two reason. As you take more for yourself, what does it leave for others? That's the problem I have with greed. If there are only a limited number of resources, and you hoard them, what is everybody else supposed to do? Didn't we just come through this with the pandemic? 
when everybody was looking for toilet paper, paper towels, the basic necessities. And then, you know, you'd see people with garages full of these basic necessities. How many rolls of paper towels and rolls of toilet paper do you need at one go? I understand having a, a you know a pack or two, but this is the, the hoarding of it all. Just you know, rows upon rows and stacks upon stacks. And what was everybody else supposed to do? You know we had, <laughs> you know we we faced that even with the Lysol. When they were saying Lysol was the only thing that killed the coronavirus the COVID nineteen. Well, what were, you know, if you got 85 cans of Lysol at your house and no one else can find any, are you supposed to be the only one that's supposed to be safe? Only one able to kill, you know, this, this, this virus that is actually taking out lives of, of, the, of loved ones and family and friends. Hoarding. <laughs> Greed. Huh. Some might say we can... We can look at a person and, you know, say, hey, you know, they, they, they were the first ones in line or they were the ones that stayed in the line when they, when they opened and were able to put those items in their cart. You know, and some might say that we can look at that person and join all that they've acquired and, you know, and work hard to achieve the same. But remember, there are finite resources. Everybody will not be able to get there. There's a variety of circumstances that keep us from not being in the same position and same uh, privileged place to be able to get some of the things that maybe some other people get. So as a society, we just have to ask ourselves, maybe we should be the ones looking in the mirror. Are we really comfortable living like this? Are we really comfortable as a society with a, a, a known have and have not? Everybody that doesn't have isn't a low character quote unquote, deserving, um, unquote, of their circumstances. They're not a low character individual. They're not always, as we, some people like to say, deserve their circumstances. It's the trials and tribulations of life and how we respond to someone else's trials and tribulations of life requires us to examine our heart. We need to examine our tendency toward greed. If indeed that's what we have. I'm not saying that you do. Only you know that. But we are going to talk about someone that does have it and we'll examine him because it's left for us in the scriptures to do just that. It's always interesting to me how someone who sits close to power still wants more of it. Gehazi reminds me of this. Gehazi was a servant of the prophet Elisha. He first appears in 2 Kings 4, 8 through 37. And in this passage, we see this story playing out of a Shunammite woman clinging to the feet of Elisha. She wanted help and healing for her son. Now, Gehazi's first thought was to pry the woman away from Elisha's feet. Now, I, I'll wait. I'm going to let that sink in for a minute. That was his first thought. And I don't really know what he was really thinking. Maybe, you know, he was just, you know, maybe that maybe he wanted to pry her away as a protective measure. You know, maybe that maybe there was a particular stigma in society that that maybe didn't look good for the prophet. I don't know. But it, I do know this. It's not like Elisha didn't know this Shunammite woman. 
This is the same woman perceiving that Elisha was holy who inquired of her husband to set up a room for Elisha for whenever his travels led him that way. She told her husband that they should set up a bed, a table, a stool, a candle, all, you know, all the necessities in the room so that Elisha could use it. So naturally, when her son fell ill, mind you, the same son that Elisha prophesied that she would have, where was Gehazi's compassion? Of course, if greedy people have selfish characteristics, well, maybe that's why his compassion was lacking. Elisha didn't allow Gehazi to thrust this woman away as he you know, was trying to do. Instead, he told Gehazi to leave her alone. He said, leave her alone for her soul is vexed. Elisha modeled empathy and compassion. Now, when Elisha finds out what the trouble is with the Shunammite woman, because at first he didn't know, right? You know, didn't know what was going on with her. He sends Gehazi ahead with his staff to lay on the face of this child. He was, Gehazi was supposed to go in the room, lay the staff on the face of the child. And so he goes to the child. He follows the instructions given by Elisha, but the boy does not wake up. Yet when Elisha gets there, he is able to heal the boy. Why would Gehazi not be able to do this with the staff of the prophet? Now, I suspect this because God knows our hearts. If power flowed through Gehazi with his greedy nature, would he have been okay being a servant still? Would he have caused problems with, with, you know, with the relationship that he had with Elisha at that time? These are things that are floating around in my mind. If greedy people have selfish characteristics, maybe his healing of the boy would have caused some problems down the line. Now, here comes the part where we see his greed come to surface big time. Right? There's no questioning at this point when I, with what I'm about to tell you. So Elisha healed Naaman from prophecy. That's the whole punchline. That's the story. But this is what happened in between. So let's let's look at leprosy first. So leprosy is defined in the Lexham Bible Dictionary as an infectious skin disease. And you may have heard, you know, from your time studying the Bible about how people were treated with leprosy. Um, the word often translated as leprosy in the Bible should actually be translated generally as skin disease. Um, you know, that's what uh, uh, some resources I said said, you know, just generally skin disease because the exact type of skin disease is unclear. And these skin diseases cause uncleanness to the one bearing the disease. So now having leprosy in those days was to be ostracized from the crowd. You could be put in isolation until you were pronounced clean by a priest. As a person who was considered unclean, you had to live outside the camp. You weren't going to be in, you know, the city gates with the folk, you know, <laughs> living your life, you know, like it's golden. That that wasn't going to happen. You needed to be outside of the camp, outside of the city, outside of the population, away from people. And Leviticus 13, 45 and 46 detailed the condition of rent, rent or torn clothes, bare heads, coverings on the upper lips. And then when the person with leprosy was around others, they had to cry out, unclean, unclean. Can you imagine that? You already have leprosy. But when you're around other people, you have to let them know it too. Unclean, unclean. So that they could run away from you. That's a mind trip. Imagine the psychological impact this disease had in these state, these, you know, these rules and regulations regarding how you had to interact with others. Unclean, unclean, so that everyone runs away from you. That is a tough life to live. 
No wonder this mighty warrior Naaman wanted out of this disease. So Elisha healed him. Now, you know, Naaman had an issue with the instructions he first received for healing right off the bat, but that's for another discussion. He came around after he was, you know, had talked to the men that were with him. So today we're going to focus on Gehazi. Now, after he was healed, Naaman was extremely grateful and glad. He said, now I know that there is no God in all the world except in Israel. So please accept the gift from your servant. This is Naaman talking to Elisha. Naaman had come loaded down with gifts too. He had 750 pounds of silver, 150 pounds of gold, and 10 sets of clothing. And Elisha, servant of the Most High, refused it all. He said, as surely as the Lord lives whom I serve, I will not accept any gifts. And Naaman tried to urge him to take something. Come on, man, take a little something. Let me show my gratitude. Let me share my material wealth. But Elisha refused. So instead, Naaman asked if he could instead load two of his mules with earth to take home with him. And he said he'd never again offer burnt sacrifices or burnt offerings to any, you know, burnt offerings or sacrifices to any God except the Lord. And he did ask for one exception for when he was working. He said, when my master, the king, goes into the temple of the God Ramon to worship there and leans on my arm, may the Lord pardon me for when I bow to. Now, Elisha, he didn't elaborate, didn't ask for all these details. He just tells him to go ahead in peace. But Gehazi would have none of this. Naaman started on his journey home and Gehazi started talking to himself. He said, my master should not have let this heir man get away without accepting any of his gifts. As surely as the Lord lives, I will chase after him and get something from him. I'm going to get something, he said. Now, this sounds like a person with greedy characteristics, does it not? So Elisha had already refused the gifts. Naaman had already started home. But Gehazi ran after him, and when Naaman saw Gehazi running after him, he climbed down from his chariot and went to meet him. He was concerned. He wanted to know if everything was all right. He was displaying compassion, but Gehazi? <sighs> Gehazi, Gehazi, Gehazi. Gehazi lied to Naaman's face. He said everything was all right, but... But his master, meaning Elisha, sent him to tell Naaman that two young prophets from the hill country of Ephraim just arrived. And as such, he would like 75 pounds of silver and two sets of clothes to give them. He got creative, didn't he? <laughs> Naaman readily agreed. He said, oh, by all means, take twice as much silver. He gave him two sets of clothing, tied up the money in two bags, and sent two of his servants to carry the gifts for Gehazi. But when they got to the citadel, Gehazi took the gifts from the servants and sent the men back so he could then hide the gifts inside the house. Greedy Gehazi saw an opportunity to enrich himself with material goods, and he did. When Elisha asked him about his whereabouts, Gehazi said he hadn't been anywhere. Apparently, Gehazi picked up the lion spirit and a forgetful one too. Did he forget that Elisha was a prophet? Greed has a may of, way of making you justify lies and manipulations so that you can have what you want. But just as Elisha was not deceived, neither is the Lord God. He knows what we get up to. 
Galatians 6, 7 tells us, be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. Gehazi was the servant of the man of God. He had access to all he could ever need. God would not let Gehazi nor the man of God suffer lack, but that wasn't enough for Gehazi. Greed does that to you if you let it. Elisha says, don't you realize that I was there in spirit when Naaman stepped down from the chariot to meet you? Is this the time to receive money and clothing, olive groves and vineyards, sheep and cattle and male and female servants? In other words, is this the time to put a price on a miracle? Is this a time to put a price on a blessing? God's blessings and God's favor are not for sale. Never have been, never will be. They cannot be purchased. With sin comes a price. A punishment, if you will. Gehazi was struck with Naaman's leprosy and it would be passed from generation to generation forever. When Gehazi left the room, he was covered with leprosy. His skin was white as snow. Was the greed worth the price? I think not. And that's what we need to ask ourselves. It's what I'm asking you to do now. Would you take a moment and examine your own heart? And see if the greed is worth the price? May your answer and mine always be, I think not. Thanks for joining us today. Please spread the message of this episode to all you encounter or just send them to this podcast. I'm so grateful for your help in spreading the gospel. And remember, God over everything, all his praises. Let us sing. I'll see you next time. You have been listening to Let's Talk Church, a podcast designed for the curious and the convinced. Join us weekly as we explore and get more comfortable with Christianity. If you haven't done so already, please click subscribe. Also, you're welcome to join us on Instagram at Talk Church. We pray that our God will bless and keep you.